Red Dog by Bill Wallace, Chapter 17. If Adam had been a grown man instead of a boy, he would have never have tried what he did. And even if he had tried, he wouldn't have succeeded because he would have known it was impossible and given up long ago. Only no one had ever told Adam that it was impossible to drag a dog that weighed almost as much as he did over a cliff and cross country for a mile and a half to his house. No one had told him that a full-grown man would have a hard time making it over rough ground with that load. And that a boy who had a bullet hole in one leg and who had to balance on a crude crutch could never make it. A boy who trudged, barefooted, dragging his staggering load over the thorns and jagged rocks. Since no one told him he couldn't do it, he did it, he tried anyway. He watched Sam make a drag sling for pelts when he had more than he could carry on his back. The drag was like a sled made with two poles and a hide stretched between them. Adam didn't have an animal hide, so he used a shirt. He used the two dead man's belts to strap Adam to the sled so he wouldn't slip out. The shadows had grown shorter and shorter until there were hardly any at all. Adam glanced up at the sun. The bright glare made him blink. He shielded his eyes with a hand and looked away. Near as he could judge, it was noon, maybe a little after. Trembling with weakness, he sat down on a rock and panted, trying to catch his breath. At last, the surroundings seemed familiar. When he left the place where the fight had been, he didn't know exactly where he was. He only knew that home was someplace over that cliff. A smile curled his lips. There was a small ridge only a short distance ahead of him. His log cabin was down in the valley just beyond. After a short but treacherous climb, he would be there. Adam whimpered, Ruff whimpered when Adam got to his feet. I know, pup, he tried to ease him. I know it hurts to be dragged over these rocks, but it's just a little ways now. We can see the house from the top of that ridge, only a little ways more and we're home. Ruff's trail made a popping sound against the sled. Adam smiled at him. Okay, pup, we're going home. He eased to his feet. The pain from his wounded leg shot through him. It was stiff and swollen, but not bleeding as badly as before. When his left foot touched the ground, the pain rushed up his good leg, making him want to scream. His feet were torn and bleeding from the rough ground where he walked. Even leaning on the crutch hurt where he had rubbed his arm raw. But as he neared the top of the little ridge, he could see the sod roof of their cabin. A smile came to his face. From here, even if he collapsed and fell with weakness, he was still close enough for his family to hear him if he yelled. We made it, he whispered. We're home. We made it. Suddenly, a cold chill shook him. A chill that chased the smile from his lips and sent him crouching on his good leg. He couldn't see him, but he could feel the evil presence of a man named Pete. That man was still inside. Adam scanned the ground in front of the cabin. There were no signs of Sam, no signs of a struggle. It was just as he had left it. A whimpering sound came from beside him. Ruff shift, shifted his weight on the sled. Adam patted his head to comfort him. Only this time, the pup didn't wag his tail when Adam stroked his ears. He only lay, lay there, 
near dead, and moaned. Adam shook his head. It was no use. He fell over on his side and cried. He let the tears flow freely, let the sobbing from deep inside shake him. Everything he and the pup had been through was all for nothing. Mother and Lori were still in danger. Sam was someplace out there coming home with a smile on his face and gifts in his hands, never suspecting death lurked within the shadows of his own home. And beside him, the dog who had fought so bravely to save his life was dying. And there was nothing Adam could do about any of it. Weakly, he lifted his head from the ground and wiped a tear from his eyes. When it's all over, he decided, I'll yell. I'll call out to that man. I'll let him know that I'm up here so he could kill me too. I want to die. I couldn't live without... Hello? I'm home! The bright, cheerful voice called from a long ways off. Adam jerked, sitting up straight. Hello? The man voice called out. I'm home. Come look what I brought you from Cheyenne. Sam called from the log bridge that caught, that crossed Jenny Creek. He walked across it, balancing carefully, so he wouldn't drop the load of packages he carried on his arms. Most of the big bundles wrapped in brown paper and string he carried under his right arm. Under his left, he carried his rifle in a small box with bright colored ribbons. He waved the little package and almost laughed. Hello in there, come on out. Adam shuddered. Any second he, could he, he would hear the boom from a rifle and see Sam wheel with pain and fall dead to the ground. The cold chills shot through him, clear down to the pit of his stomach. If he called out, the man inside would use Mother and Lori to hide behind. He would threaten to kill them if Sam didn't give himself up. And Sam would. Sam loved Mother too much to let anything happen to her. Even if it cost his own life, he would throw down his rifle and try to save his family. Still, after the man had Sam and the deed to the land, he would kill them. Adam had heard that with his own ears. There was a tapping sound beside him. Adam glanced down. Ruff had heard Sam's voice too. He tried to raise his head, but he was too weak with all the blood he'd lost. Still, he managed to wag his tail, making it thump against the drag sled. Adam reached out and rubbed him from behind the ears. I can't call to him, he whispered. It's better this way if he doesn't know it's coming. At least he'll die happy. He won't know there's anything wrong. He won't have time to worry about Mother and Lori. It'll just happen before he even knows it. There was a big smile on Sam's face. Adam frowned when he saw it. He'd never seen Sam so happy, so proud of the presents he brought, so glad to be home. As he came closer to the cabin, the smile seemed to spread clear across his rough, rugged face. Adam closed his eyes. What do I do? He pleaded, talking to the pup as if expecting him to answer. What? Lori had heard the bright, cheerful voice too. Quiet as she could, she got down from the bed and lay down on her stomach on the edge of the loft. 
It was the only way she could see out the big window. And even if the man had told her he'd kill her if she got up, she had to see what was happening. From as far, from as far off as the log bridge, Lori could see Sam smile. She could see the packages he carried and the happy light way he walked. She could also see the man who crouched in the shadows beside the window. She could see him watching Sam, waiting for him to come closer. There was a moan behind her. She turned to where mother was tied to the chair. She struggled against the leather straps. Even with the rags the man had stuffed in her mouth and tied there with cloth, Lori could hear her saying, no, no, help him. The words weren't clear, but she could tell what mother was saying. Lori frowned. She looked at mother and the man crouched beside the window. If you untie her, I'll hang you up by the heels and pull every hair out of your head one at a time. The man had threatened Lori. I'll take my knife and slit you open a little at a time. I'll cut your fingers off if you even move. She had sat there on the edge of the bed for a long, long time before she had gone to hide by the window. Having her fingers cut off was worse than anything she could think of. The thought of being cut open with a knife was enough to bring the tears to her eyes. But even with his threats, she had sneaked from the bed and tried to untie mother. The knots in the leather were too tight. She pulled and pulled and bit at them with her teeth only she couldn't get them to come loose. Now, Lori sneaked across the floor and came up beside her mother. Again, she tugged at the knots, trying to work one of them loose. Mother moaned again and shook her head. Lori could tell it wouldn't work. Even if she loosened the knots just a little, her mother still couldn't get loose in time to do anything. Suddenly, she stopped working on the knots and stood up. I have to do it, she decided. I have to help Sam. Mama can't. So, despite what the man said he'd do if he caught her off the bed, Lori rushed toward the ladder. Quietly, she slipped down from the loft. The man didn't hear her. Sam's voice came again, closer this time. The man lurking in the shadows drew the hammer back on his rifle. He eased around so the barrel rested just inside the windowsill. Frightened and frantic, Lori searched the room. She tried to think of what to do. She needed a big stick, something to hit the man with. He leaned his cheek against the big gun. Beyond him, she could see Sam. She could see that warm, happy smile of his get bigger and bigger as he came toward the cabin. Y'all come out here! he called. Come look what I brought you. Lori bit her fingers, desperate, not knowing what to do, but knowing she had to do something and quick. The big black coffee pot hung in the fireplace. It still made a bubbling sound from the heat of the glowing coals under it. Lori blinked when she saw it. Quick as she could, she rushed to the pot. Using her skirt so she wouldn't burn her hands, she pulled it from the hook. It was full of boiling coffee. It was almost too heavy to lift.
she did it. She took the top off and laid it down. Then, quiet as a cat stalking its prey, she started for the man with the gun. Adam jerked. He had his eyes closed, not wanting to see when Sam was killed. Then he moaned, what do I do? And to his surprise, Ruff answered. He barked. It wasn't much of a bark because he was so weak and near dead. But when he heard Sam's voice calling, his tail began to wag. And finally, he barked. Adam knew then that the pup had answered him. He was trying to let Sam know they were up here. He was trying to warn him. Adam didn't know if he could stand without the crutch, but without thinking he was on his feet, carrying the crutch and running as hard as he could down the hill toward the cabin. For a moment, the pain was forgotten. His only thought was mother and Sam and Lori. Nothing else mattered, nothing. Sam was only 30 feet away from the window, close enough for even a bad shot to hit him. Adam rushed toward him. He ran harder than he'd ever run in his life. His, he filled his lungs with air. Daddy, look out, run! Sam wheeled, surprised to see him there and startled by his scream. At that very second, the sound of a shot roared out. Adam stopped in his tracks. Sam flew backwards. The packages scattered in the air and he went down. He landed limp with his arms spread. He didn't move. Adam felt a grinding, sick feeling sweep over him. His heart sank clear down to the pit of his stomach. Slowly, the pain returned to his wounded leg. He fell to his knees. I was too late, he whispered towards Sam's still form. I took too blame long decided. I'm sorry, Sam. I, I. Frightened now, he looked around, searching for a place to run, someplace to hide. Then he turned back toward the cabin. He felt his teeth sink hard into his bottom lip. He felt the anger boil up from deep down inside. There was a broken limb from a cedar tree close to where he knelt. With a trembling hand, he snatched it up. And with a slow determination, he got to his feet and he started for the cabin. There were no tears left to cry, no strength left in his legs for any more running. The only thing now was anger, a cold, empty kind of anger. An anger that sent him limping toward the cabin, determined to do whatever he could to that filthy, stinking murderer, no matter what the cost. Red Dog by Bill Wallace, Chapter 18. Only Adam never made it inside. He was almost to the porch of the cabin when he heard a loud, hurt scream. Before he could take another step, the man named Pete came flying out the window, squalling for all he was worth. 
He shrieked and swatted at his back and danced all around the porch like there was a swarm of bees chasing him. Adam watched as he kept slapping at his back. Every once in a while, he could see puffs of steam float up from his wet shirt. Suddenly, the door of the cabin opened and Lori appeared. Her face was all scrunched up, mad. I'll learn ya, she squawked. I'll learn ya to tie to hurt Sam. I'll learn ya to tie my mama up. Still holding the coffee pot with her skirt, she shook it at him. The man was leaping around, hitting at his burning back, not even hearing Lori. Only she was so mad she didn't notice and went right on fussing at him. I'll learn ya! I'll tie you up by your thumbs and pull your hair out! I'll bite your fingers off! I'll... She stopped short. The words caught in her throat. The man had ripped his shirt off and now stood glaring at her with hate-filled eyes. Adam could see his back was red and scalded from the hot coffee. It must have hurt something terrible. Only the man was so mad he forgot about the pain. Adam could tell by the look in his eyes that his only thought was to get Lori. Lori must have seen the same look. She started backing away. Her brown eyes got as wide as two saucers, and instead of shaking from anger, she was shaking from being scared. It was at that moment she spotted Adam. Don't let him eat! Don't let him get me, Adam! She squealed as she leaped from the porch and rushed to hide behind him. Get him, Adam! Don't let him hurt me! He could feel Lori tugging at his hip pocket and peeking around him. The man stopped short when he saw Adam. Adam raised the cedar branch like a club. He knew he didn't stand a chance against the full-grown men. He'd go down fighting, though. Old Knothead would at least know he'd been in a scrap when Adam was done. Faster than Adam could blink an eye, a knife slipped from the man's belt. He twisted it between his fingers. A strange, evil smile came to his lips. I don't know how you managed to give my partners the slip, but you won't get away from me. Adam braced his feet. He could see his knuckles turn white where he held the club. I didn't get away, Adam answered. I left him dead, up there on the mountain. The man hesitated, then he laughed. Sure you did, little boy. You took both of them, barehanded. Now it's my turn. He stepped from the porch, slow, careful. The knife sparkled as he twisted it between his fingers. I'm scared, little boy, real scared. See how bad I'm shaking? His lips curled to a sneer. He stopped twisting the knife in his fingers and held it tight, ready for action. I'll show you what scared really is, you little brats. Adam raised the club. I mean it, leave us alone. The man only laughed. He came closer. Just beyond the reach of Adam's club, he stopped. He started circling Adam and Lori. Adam turned, following him, only it was hard. The hurt leg was meat weak. The man kept walking around them. Adam had to keep turning to face him. And with each turn, the leg got weaker and the pain grew. Then the man made, man made a quick move, a lunge toward him. 
Adam swung with the club hard as he could, only the man had it planned that way. When Adam swung, the man reached out and grabbed the club, yanking it from his hands. A deep laugh came from his leering face. <laughs> I think I shall cut you, boy. Cut you a little bit at a time, slowly, so you can feel it. Clear up until the time you die. He looked down where Lori was peeking around Adam. And as for you, child, I have a special treat in mind for you. I'll even the score for boy throwing that boiling coffee on me. I will build a big, good fire in the hearth and put two pots of water over it. And when it is roaring hot, I think, it, think I'll pour it over you very slowly. He moved toward them, his eyes evil and deep looking. Adam tried to back away. It was no use. There was a flash of light beside him. The knife whizzed past and Adam felt a biting, tearing pain in his shoulder. He fell. Just as he scrambled to his feet, the knife flashed again from the other side. Adam staggered backwards, trying to escape the deadly weapon. When he moved back, he tripped over Lori. Run! He screamed at his sister. Run, Lori! Even as he lay there on his back, looking up at the man moving toward him, he could feel Lori beside him. I won't leave you, Adam. I'm going to stay with you. I won't let him hurt you. She lay over him, trying to protect him with her little body. The man only reached down and flung her aside. He stood there towering above Adam. I figure I could get at least a hundred cuts before I finish you, boy. Think of that. One hundred. Adam tried to scoot backwards with his hands. The man only laughed. Adam could see him eyeing the bullet wound in his leg. The man held the knife out and leaned toward it. An evil smile was on his face. Adam's fingers dug deep into the sandy soil as he tried to move away from the man. He got as much dirt in his hands as he could hold. Then the man leaned closer. Adam threw it. He tried to cover his eyes with his arm. It was too late. The dust covered him in a great cloud. He coughed, sputtering as he tried to wipe it from his eyes and mouth. Adam staggered to his feet. Lori was standing a few yards away. The cedar club, the only weapon he had, was beside her. Dragging his bad leg, Adam made for it. He was almost there. Then, suddenly, the man was in front of him. His big foot slammed the club down just as Adam was leaning to pick it up. Adam froze. Slowly, he brought up his head. Pete was no longer smiling. His eyes were filled with hate and his teeth were clenched together with fury. I think I will forget the cutting, he growled. Instead, I think I'll simply rip your stomach, leave you out here to die slowly, leave just enough life in you so you can watch while I kill your sister and mother. Adam stood still. The man came toward him, step by slow step. Now watching the man's face, Adam no longer felt hatred or anger. For some strange reason, he felt only pity. Pity and wonder at how anyone could hate so much that there wasn't room for anything else in his cold heart.
The knife sparkled as the man drew it back near his side, getting ready for the final plunge. Adam stood straight. He couldn't explain it, only he was no longer afraid. He stood tall and watched death come toward him. The man took another step. His eyes were fixed on Adam's stomach. Adam held his breath. The knife seemed to hover for an instant in the man's hand. Then it came toward him, slow, straight for his stomach. Adam felt his muscles tightened with the expected pain. He closed his eyes. There was a loud cracking sound, a shot, a rifle. Adam blinked. The knife was only inches from his stomach. Suddenly, it jerked away. The man flew backwards toward the porch. Hate-filled eyes popped wide with surprise, then pain as he slumped against the porch rail. There was a short scream. The knife, once just inches from Adam, slipped from the man's fingers and fell harmlessly to the ground. Adam saw the hole in the center of the man's chest. He was dead before he fell. Startled and confused, Adam spun around in search of who had fired the shot. Sam knelt where he had fallen only a short time before. Smoke roared from full smoke rolled from the barrel of his rifle. A gust of wind carried the cloud of blue-gray smoke away. Adam could see him clearly now. He could see the worried, frightened look on his face and the way he struggled to get to his feet, weak and wobbly. Adam started toward him. The pain shot up his leg. A few minutes before, he had all but forgotten about the bullet wound. Now it was stiff and throbbing again. The knife cuts on his chest and shoulders had begun to burn something fierce. He took another step toward Sam. He could feel Lori close at his side. She was struggling to, to hold him, and he realized he was teetering back and forth. She said something to him, but the words got lost in his spinning head. Sam started toward them. He looked like he was running, but it seemed so slow. The long strides of his legs, the movement of his arms, everything so very, very slow. Daddy! Adam heard himself shout, only the word didn't seem like it had came from him. He knew he had moved his mouth, only it seemed like something heard from a long ways off, a sound that hadn't come from him at all. Again, he felt Lori pulling at him, trying to steady him. The whole world began to spin. Then he was falling, and everything was going round and slow and round. The blackness swept in, but he was still falling. 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 Red Dog by Bill Wallace, Chapter 19. Adam woke with a jerk, like he tripped over something in the dark and had to jump to catch himself. 
Only when he jumped, there was a sharp pain in his leg. His eyes opened. He was in his bed in the cabin, but his bed wasn't in the loft where it belonged. He was by the fireplace. It was dark except for the fire, which threw its yellow light, scattering shadows all across the ceiling. For a second, he thought everything had been a dream. All the horrible things that had happened had just been one bad nightmare. But when he tried to sit up in his bed, he felt the pain in his leg, the soreness from the knife cuts on his chest and shoulders slapped him back on the straw mattress like a giant holding him down. Mother, he called. Mother? Yes, dear. Her soothing voice answered, I'm right here. The soft yellow glow of the lantern filled the room with light. Adam rolled his head to the side. Mother sent the lantern on the table and came to kneel beside his bed. Her hand was cool and soft on his forehead. You're all right, son, she soothed him. Everything's fine. You need to rest now. Sleep if you can. He tried to raise his head. But what? Lori? Sam? Are they all right? Where? Mother let her hand trail down over his face. The soft, gentle fingers touched his eyelids, and he let his eyes fall shut. They're fine, she whispered. Lori's asleep on some blankets by the fire. Sam's in bed asleep. You rest now. Is he all right? Adam tried to raise his head again. Is he hurt bad? No, the bullet never hit him. The packages and things in his arms stopped it. It knocked him out for a moment, and I think he might have a bruised rib or two, but he's fine. Everyone's just fine. The soft firmness in her voice told Adam she wasn't saying those things simply to comfort him. Everything was all right. Still, he wanted to see for himself. He wanted to talk to Sam and Lori and find out all that had happened. Only when he tried to sit up again, his head was heavy. His eyes felt like there was a handful of sand in them, and keeping them closed was the only way they felt good. Besides, Mother kept telling them that things were fine, and the goose feather pillow behind his head felt so good. Mother's fingers touched his eyelids. You're gonna be all right, Adam. The rifle ball passed clean through your leg without hitting bone. I cleaned your wounds and dressed them. You'll be up and around in no time. If you'll only rest, rest and sleep. Despite her soft comforting words, Adam reached up and moved her hand from his forehead. He raised his head weakly and looked at her. What about Ruff? Her bright gentle eyes seemed to grow sad. You talked about him in your sleep. Sam found him in the sled. But I don't know, son, she answered. The cut was deep. He lost a lot of blood. She shook her head. How he's managed to stay alive this long, I'll never know. He's alive? Adam couldn't believe it. Yes, she tried to smile 
Then her eyes came to his. But don't set your hopes. I really don't know if he's going to make it or not. She cupped her hand behind his head and helped him sit up. Ruff was lying by the fire. Sam and Mother had wrapped him in animal hides to help fight off the chill of the mountain night. He lay very, very still. As Adam watched, he could barely see his sides move in and out, breathing. Mother made Adam lie down then. Sleep, she ordered softly. That's what you both need. Now be quiet so you don't bother him. Rest. Adam closed his eyes. The pillow was soft on his cheek. The clean muslin sheets were cool and clean against his skin. He tried to stay awake long enough to pray, to thank the good Lord for giving him such a brave dog, to ask him to let Ruff live. But sometime right in the middle of his praying, sleep caught him. It swept him off to rest before he could even say, Adam never knew he could do so much sleeping. For the next two weeks, that seemed like that's all he did, sleep and eat. Once a day, mother would change the bandages on his leg and the knife cuts. She wouldn't even let him walk to the bathroom, but made Sam carry him back and forth to the outhouse behind the cabin. Sam had to do the same toting for Ruff. Only Ruff could go outside instead of being carried clean to the outhouse. Still, Sam had to stay with him. Ruff was too weak even to stand, so Sam had to hold him until he was finished and then bring him back inside. Sam never seemed to mind, though. After Adam told him how the pup had saved his life, neither Sam nor Mother could seem to do enough for him. It was three weeks before Mother would let Adam get up and walk around by herself. Even then, she got to fussing and made him go back to bed if she thought he was trying to do too much. Ruff got to where he could get up and around by himself, too. He was still mighty weak and wobbly, but each day he got a little stronger and a little bit more steady. Even if Ruff could never run trail again, Adam was thankful. After three more weeks, Adam still had trouble making the steps in front of the cabin. He ventured no further than a few feet from the door before he would turn and hobble back and then he'd weakly curl up in front of the fireplace as though he'd used up all of his strength. Maybe he'd never be like he was. The first snow fell in early, fell early in September as it usually did in the mountains of the Wyoming Territory. It stayed on the ground only a few days though. A warm spell came, but everyone knew it wouldn't last. Winter was close at hand. Before long, the mountains would be covered in white. The trails and grass would be nestled under a blanket of snow, sleeping there to wait out the long, cold winter. By next spring, lots of things would have changed. The graves that Sam had dug would be gone, washed smooth by the melting snow. The camp that the men had left by the Wind River would be gone too, swept away by the river when it filled with melted snow and roared down the canyon. Then things would be like they were when Adam first came here. Everything except rough. Adam knew then if he didn't get better before the cold set in, chances were he wouldn't last the winter. And winter in Wyoming territory didn't wait for anyone or anything.
looks like a snow's a building, Sam said early that evening. He pointed with his pipe to the dark gray clouds that moved in and out between the tall mountain peaks to the north. Adam nodded. Then he went back to rocking in his chair on the porch. He knew Sam was right about the snow. Inside, it made him feel sad knowing this might be the last evening he and Sam could sit on the porch and look out across their land. Ruff, still skinny and weak looking, sat between them. Sam got his pipe down and petted the pup. Glad I got them new sod blocks in place for this snow. This one will probably stick till next spring. Adam rubbed his leg. It had healed nicely, but the muscle was still sore from where the bullet had torn through. You reckon mother will let me go trapping with you this winter? He asked. Sam smiled. I don't reckon she'll have much to say in it. Trapping is a man's business. And if a couple of men want to go trapping, I don't reckon it matters much what a woman's got to say about it. What was that? Mother teased from the doorway. Something about women not having a say? Sam ducked his head. Oh, nothing, just talking. Mother walked out and stood in front of them. She held the material Sam had brought back from Cheyenne. Still smiling, she unfolded it and held it out in front of him. I've tried every way I can figure to see a dress pattern. She shook her head. Only I can't see a way on this earth to cut it without having at least four holes shining through it. She shook it out. Adam could see the lines in it where it had been folded so tight so so Sam could carry it under his arm. He could also see the holes where the bullet, meant for Sam, had ripped through it. Mother shook her head and folded it back. I reckon I can make Lori a dress out of it, and then I'd still have enough to make you and Adam a couple of shirts. She sighed and shook her head again. Still wish that fella hadn't shot a hole in my new dress material. Sam laughed. Suppose you rather, suppose you would have rather he shot a hole in me? Mother scolded him for saying something like that, only she wasn't mad. She leaned down and kissed him on the cheek. Then she sat down on his lap. Mother Lori must have been watching from inside because Mother had just sat down when she came running out and jumped up on Mother's lap. Sam groaned. One of you two's getting fat, he teased. You reckon this old chair can hold all three of us? You're just getting soft, Mother smiled. Then she reached down and gave him a playful swat. Adam was laughing watching them when he saw Ruff. All of a sudden, the pup's head came straight up. His nose twitched from side to side, picking up something on the late evening breeze. Then, like he'd never been the least bit sick or weak, he sprang up from his feet and rushed from the porch. What on earth? Mother began. I didn't know that dog had that much life in him. Ruff's trail cry wasn't as strong and clear as before he got hurt but he was banged good and loud and headed for the log bridge. Adam jumped to his feet. He saw her then, big, strong. Her brown hair tipped with silver. She stood by the stand of tall pines just on the other side of Jenny Creek. The mountain lion, he 
Ruby shouted. Look, Sam, the one I told you about! The one that saved Ralph and me from those two men! See her? He pointed. There, by the trees! Ralph went flying across the yard and over the log bridge. Before Adam knew it, he was down off the porch, chasing after the dog. That a boy, Ralph! Adam called him. Run her up the tree! Hold her there, boy! Adam, you come back here! Mother screamed. Only Adam didn't hear her. Ralph was trailing again, just like he used to. He was going to be all right. Trailing his adopted mother, laughed Sam. Mother set Lori off her lap and started after him, but Sam caught her around the waist and pulled her back. Leave the boy be, he said. He's all right. But that mountain lion, she whined, that's the one he said killed those men. If she's killed before, she's liable to. She won't hurt them. Sam shushed her. Not those two. How do you know, she demanded. How do you know she won't hurt them? Sam smiled and shook his head. I know mountain lions. There ain't a cat alive that would stick as close to people as that one does to us. She's been around here ever since I brought that pup home to Adam. And the only time I ever heard tell of mountain lions attacking a man was if they was cornered or hurt. He raised an eyebrow. Or protecting their cubs. What on earth are you talking about, Sam? Remember that cave where I told you I found the pup? Yes. Well, I went back there day before yesterday. He pointed to where Adam and Ruff had chased the mountain lion into the trees. That's where her den is. That pup I found for Adam is hers. What? Mother gasped. Sam shrugged. Way I gotta figure, she must have lost her own litter soon after they was born. Somehow she found the pup young enough to be nursing and took him for her own. But how? Mother wondered. Our telling. He could have been dropped off one of the wagon trains that cut over Salter's Pass. Or his mama could have been wild and something happened to her out in the mountains. Shoot, that cat couldn't even stolen him from a farmhouse up a hundred yards, hundred miles from here. I've heard tell of animals losing their babies and stealing a young one from some other animal. He shook his head. I don't rightly know how it happened or why. Only thing I do know for sure is that the cave where I took Ruff from is her den. Has been her den for years. Signs are thick around it. She thinks that's her cub and she keeps an eye on him to make sure no harm comes his way. They sat staring across the valley, listening and wondering. Adam finally caught up to Ruff. He followed the pup's voice for less than a mile when he heard the pitch change and knew Ruff had the cat tree. When he reached him, he saw Ruff leaping against the tall pine like he was trying to climb right up it. He was barking for all he was worth. Only when Adam got there, there was nothing. The tree was empty. The mountain lion was gone. Out foxed you again, didn't she, pup? He patted Ruff on the head. The red pup wagged his tail and leaned up on Adam's side, trying to lick him in the face. Cut that out, Adam scolded. He really didn't mean it, though. 
cold gust of wind came whistling from the north. Adam felt a flake of snow against his cheek. He looked up and saw the gray clouds were rolling down off the mountains, bringing the snowstorm Sam had talked about. Come on, Ruff, we best be heading home. Lori saw them coming. She rushed out to greet them just on the other side of the log bridge. When Ruff saw her, he wagged his tail and charged off to meet her. When she saw how fast his long, lolloping legs brought him racing toward her, Lori tried to brace herself. It didn't do much good, though. He went crashing into her and sent her tumbling. She landed on her seat, all huffed up and mad-looking. You darned old pup, she scowled. You don't quit knocking me down all the time. I'm gonna... She never got a finish. Because now that Ruff had her down on this level, he could lick her face. He'd bounce in and give her a wet lick and then bounce away before she could swing at him. Before long, she got to squealing and laughing, and Ruff got to bouncing and wagging his tail even more than before. Adam stopped on the log bridge that crossed Jenny Creek. A warm smile came to his lips. As he watched their crazy, playful antics, he heard himself chuckle. Beyond them, he could see Mother and Sam on the porch. They were laughing so hard, he could see their stomachs bounce, even from out here. You're sure a lucky one, he told himself. Got yourself a whole family. A sister to play with, a mother to take care of you and love you, a good dog, and Sam. A father that's every bit as good as your real dad was. He walked across the bridge, and when he got to the other side, he paused and looked up. Thank you, he said. And then, as if remembering, he turned to look back at the trees where the mountain lion had gone. Thank you.